0: Our First Testament scripture is from Isaiah, chapter 60, verses one through six. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses' arms. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels will cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba, shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. These are our sacred stories.
1: This is exciting. We get two scripture readings today. And the second one is Matthew 2, uh, 1 through 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, they return to their country by another route. These are our sacred stories. You,
2: well, for those of you who read the bulletin and thought that there were three scripture readings and actually read those, that was just as a spoiler alert so that this would be a surprise today when we read these scriptures. Epiphany is from a Greek word that means manifestation, specifically the manifestation of God in the person of Jesus. The Magi came to see with their own eyes what the heavens foretold. Nowadays, epiphany is used in a secular sense, as when you say, I had an epiphany. It means a sudden insight or a revelation. It represents a new way of seeing or understanding things, often, but not always, in a way that brings joy. As an eye doctor, I'm fascinated with how we see and with optical illusions. Have you felt that little frisson of joy when you see something in a different way, something that you realize was right there in front of you all the time, waiting to be discovered? There are many drawings to illustrate this, some of which I've posted next to our name tags in the Northex. My favorite is the one called, My Wife and My Mother-in-Law, from a German postcard in 1888. The drawings of a single figure contain both women, depending on how you see it. At first glance, you see one or the other, but then something happens, like a magic trick and, the other image takes its place. There it is. What allows the second image to become manifest? How did your mind let go of one and become open to the other? In our scripture readings today, Isaiah and Matthew bring different perspectives to the story of the Messiah's coming. Isaiah is predicting what will come in general terms. Matthew records specifics decades after the event. Isaiah writes about darkness that covers the earth and thick darkness that is over the people. Despite our Texas winter sunshine, we can all imagine this. The darkness of wars, the darkness in our smoke-blackened stormy skies, the darkness in our outlooks as we face the uncertainty of the year ahead. But then he writes about the Lord rising upon us and light and the brightness of dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Then you will look and be radiant and your heart will throb and swell with joy. He even writes about herds of camels covering the land as a thing to celebrate. Most of us are wise enough to question the logic of this. We've seen the havoc wrought by well-intentioned introduction of living creatures that turn into invasive species one version even says multitudes of camels shall cover you now i've been close to a camel recently and no thank you but maybe there's another way to see it i'm at a loss but if you have an idea See me at the sur- after the service under the illusions. I'm open to different interpretations. Matthew writes about magi coming to find Jesus. Magi is from the Greek word magos or magos, derived from the Persian word magus, meaning powerful. They were likely Zoroastrian priests and astrologers. Only later does this word become associated with magic and magicians. They saw a new star in the heavens, signaling a new king and eagerly followed it to Jesus. He doesn't say how many wise men, was it three or 30? And he doesn't mention camels at all. But he is clear about their reaction. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Then they were warned in a dream to avoid Herod and return to their country by another route. He doesn't write more about the dream. Was it a collective dream? Or did just one of them have it? Can you imagine the discussions around the camel trough? If there was one, you dreamed what? Why can't we go back the way we came? It's so familiar. We know all the good camel stops. In our epigraph, Parker Palmer writes, uncertainty can generate creativity instead of anxiety. Jesus's birth generated uncertainty for the ruling King Herod. Was his throne about to be usurped? His anxiety was so great, he ordered that all children under the age of two be killed in hopes of eliminating the competition. The Magi started out and finished their uncertain journey with eager anticipation, seeking out the location of the baby and listening to dream instructions for a different route home. I think they were the creatives in the story. Will our own uncertainty about the future generate creativity? Or will we hold on to our anxiety, afraid to let it go, to make space to see things in a different way. In these dark winter days, in these dark times of war in Ukraine and the Middle East, our unison confession reminds us that as active peacemakers, we must recognize ourselves in the faces of others. Sometimes we are Herod, afraid of losing control of our personal kingdoms, conniving and overreacting to keep the status quo. Sometimes we are the magi, welcoming surprise and joy, seeking and listening and willing to risk an unknown path. I resolve to not let the uncertainty of this year and this era close my eyes to hope. To look up into the peak Houston night sky and picture the myriad stars that are there, even though I only see a few. To remember that if I go to the places where darkness still exists, I'll be awed with the brightness of the Milky Way. I will remember that stars manifest themselves to people in different ways. To some, they're balls of burning gas. To others, earthly navigational tools. To me, they're a metaphorical beacon. Of hope. Incan astrologers had their own unique point of view, a different way of seeing. They called our galaxy the great river of stars and drew shapes not by connecting the bright points but by looking at the darkness between them. The dark spaces between the stars represented shadows cast by invisible animals that it had come to drink from the shiny river. The tried to point out these empty space shapes to the early Spaniards, but one chronicler wrote, I could not see, I could see nothing but the spots, which must have been for want of imagination on my part. I find his humility surprisingly refreshing in a colonizer. Maybe they were not all as they appeared to be. Epiphanies happen in different ways. The Magi saw something bright. The Incans saw something dark. Like an optical illusion, it depends on how you look at it. Why didn't Herod's own advisors see the star and wonder at its significance? Maybe it took an outsider's view someone unburdened by the generational teachings and assumptions of a lifetime. In our call to worship, C.S. Lewis writes that, our labor is to attend, to come awake, to remain awake. His book about his personal journey to faith is titled Surprised by Joy. When he was less than six years old, his older brother created a toy garden in the lid of a biscuit tin, using bits of moss and twigs and flowers. When he saw this little garden, which was not a garden, it made a deep impression on him. In it, he saw nature as he had never seen it before, as something cool, dewy, and fresh. This different way of seeing came back to him sometime later in a real garden, standing in front of a flowering currant bush. He writes, there suddenly arose in me without warning and as if from a depth, not of years, but of centuries, the memory of that earlier morning. It's difficult to find words strong enough for the sensation which came over me. It was a sensation, of course, of desire, but desire for what? Not certainly for a biscuit tin filled with moss. But before I knew what I desired, the desire itself was gone. The whole glimpse withdrawn. The world turned commonplace again and only stirred by a longing for the longing that had just ceased. I think in that moment, in that sensation, in that memory of a memory As he puts it, he experienced an epiphany. God made manifest in the most unexpected and humble way. Well, you may wonder when this is going to end and how I got from stars to biscuit tins. We're almost home. Let's go back by another way. Join me outside the dollar store at 9.49 a.m. on October 14th of the year of 2023 in Sedona. As it was foretold, a partial eclipse of the sun occurred. Like my page is being eclipsed. (laughs) My ophthalmology friends and I were prepared with special solar glasses. We stood in the plain unadorned parking lot and looked up at a very special star, the star over our earthly home. A few people came out of the dollar store. Some didn't notice the subtle change in the light. Others took a few steps, stopped, and looked around. They sensed something was different. They appeared uncertain and afraid. They looked up to the sky, but seeing nothing unusual, they went on their way but a few saw our glasses and came over, curious and eager. Some had heard the news. Some had no idea what was happening, but watching the joy that came across their faces when we handed them the glasses and told them to look at the star was a shared epiphany. Sometimes an epiphany is a light dawning in the east signaling the rise of a new day. This is a joyful and bright epiphany. Sometimes it is wandering around in dark and unfamiliar places, following teasing pinpricks of light, which beckon only to recede. And sometimes it is thinking you are lost and then looking up and realizing that the light has been over your head all the time and you are already home. How will this new year dawn in your life? How will God appear to you? What new understandings and mysteries will you be open to? Just as Herod's fear did not stop the light of Jesus falling on our world, let not your fears keep you from being surprised by joy.